Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. Have you ever have you ever had a situation where you're telling somebody a story? probably of maybe a crisis or something quite difficult. And when you're finished the story, they make a statement to you like, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're, you're going through. And unless they really have been in that scenario, they don't really understand. I mean, they understand because they have cognitive skills and you're speaking their language, but in the reality of the depth of what you're going through, or, or by the way, you might be on the other side of that coin where, where somebody is telling you their story and their grief or something that, that they are going through, and so you don't know what to say, and you're kind of caught, and you're like, I understand. And so, yes, you understand mentally, but in the heart of the matter, you probably don't understand. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I think it's like this with the Lord. I think that we cognitively understand that the Lord died, that the Lord suffered. We, we read the scriptures. We can paint the picture in, a, in our mind, and Hollywood has done it as well, and Mel Gibson was working on, you know, Resurrection, the, 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 the second movie, the sequel to Passion of the Christ. We, we understand. We can imagine, but the truth is we really don't understand. We don't understand the depths of what it took when, when we say that he paid the price. He paid the price. We, we understand there was a price to pay, but, but to go through it and to really understand it in experience is a different matter. And I, and I really believe that in some ways we're never going to really understand until we, we get to heaven, until we get and meet the Lord and our, our, our mind and our spirit is open to the place where we really recognize, wow, Lord, I had no idea what it really took, what it, what it really meant to drink the cup of suffering, to drink the cup of indignation and all the, all the filthiness and the sin and the quagmire of, of garbage from the beginning of time that was in that cup, the, the bitterness of what was really in there and what it really took I don't think we'll understand. And even, even the Lord himself, by the way, in the garden, faced it. In his humanity, knowing that he had come to die, suddenly when, when the reality of the pressure, the pressure, demonic pressure, world pressure, system pressure, the, the weight of sin, all be, became such an intense thing that, that the Bible says that he was, he was praying in the garden that literally his human body responded by beginning to sweat out blood. Physically, physically, what was happening on the inside of him, what was happening on the inside of him physically manifested in a way that I've never experienced. I doubt any of you that, that all of a sudden his sweat became blood. Literally, his internal bleeding began to come out. And who knows, had, had angels not come, had angels not come to minister to him, maybe he might have died right there in the garden under the, under the pressure. But there is a secret. 
There is a secret in that garden. Pastor Moses kind of alluded to it with Jonah, and the secret was this, that, that Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Father, then angels came, and, and they ministered to him, because when he, when, he, when he recognized the cup, his humanity said, is there, is, there, is there another way? And I take great courage in that, because if Jesus went through that, then, my friends, there's grace for you and I. And I would really want to encourage you based on what Pastor Moses shared earlier, uh, you know, in the devotion, because that, that scripture of Jonah really is personal to me. It was, it was prophesied over my life when, when I was transitioning between, and I got to be careful with that word, but I was transitioning between the secular, some of you will get that about three o'clock, um, the secular and ministry. For six months, just felt lost. I felt like, like my world was shattered. I was in a dark place. I'm like, God, what, 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 is, what is going on? And the word of the Lord that came to me actually through prophetess Nancy Clark. I went all the way down to Lima, New York. And, and the Lord says, I have caused the whale to swallow you up. I've caused the whale to swallow you up. And the whale is going to spit you out in its, in its time. And, and my friends, I want you to notice the secret of what Jonah shared there. Here, here's the secret. Jonah said... I will what? I will keep my vows. What I promised you. Somewhere he had promised God to be a good prophet. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Mo and I talk about this. I want to meet this guy. This guy, I, when I get there, after I meet Jesus, there's a few others I want to meet, and then I'm, I'm going to go, where's the Jonah guy? Where is, maybe he's at the beach. I don't know. Where is the Jonah guy? I want to meet this guy because, you know, really his mentality, I just feel a prophetic flow. Can, can just flow with me for a moment. I, I, I really sense that, that Jonah was like, well, throw me over and, and see, God found me on the boat and he's causing all this trouble, but what's God going to do when they throw me over and I drown? What is he going to do when I'm in the water? Let's see what happens to God's plan then. <laughs> you know, sometimes we have this idea that we're bigger than God, that we can make decisions where God can't get us out of or God can't find us. Uh, by the way, for some of you that are into free will, oh, I have a free will. You haven't read Jonah. Oh, Jonah, you have a free will, but I'm going to turn you into a pretzel until you decide that your will is going to submit to my will, and then I'm going to get you out, or you're going to be fish food. And you know what? I don't even like fish. And I'm like, the last thing I would want to be is in the belly of a fish. And three days, bro. Because I really thought he said, okay, I didn't die in the boat. I didn't die in the water. I'm, I'm, I'm going to die in the belly. That's it. I'm going to die. But day one, day two. I wonder if he started saying, how long is God going to leave me in here? Church, are there, are there vows that you have made to God? Are, are there prayers that you prayed and said, you know, Lord, if you get me out of this, I will. Lord, if, 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 you, if you meet this prayer, I will. And see, you forget. And God says, I remember. Sometimes we're, we're stuck. We're stagnant. Not because the devil's working in our lives, because a whale literally has swallowed us up. And, and the Lord's saying to you, just respond to your vows. Just respond to your vows. Respond to, to what I'm asking you to do, and you'll be, you'll be released. When, um, when Pastor Moses was, was sharing this story, I actually thought about Candace. When Candace first came to our church, as just a, 
congregant, not an employee. You remember this, Candace? And she made the statement, listen, this, this is the truth. She said, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna be at this church. Nice church. I don't wanna be at this church and I'm not working for that man ever. God heard her. 10 years later, so she thought, oh, you know what? They have a maternity leave, maternity leave, you know, a year. What's a year? I can, people have suffered through more than that. For, oh, I can do it for a year. And, but how many understand that when God has written things in your book, hmm, you, you might have ideas and you might have thoughts and you might be like, this is going to be the direction of my life and I'm going here and I'm going there and, and all the rest of it. And God says, yeah, but I know what's best for you. Huh? And today, look how happy she is. Praise God. She's, you got to see her face right now. Bless God. Every day she suffers for Jesus. Praise the Lord. Whatever it takes. I want to speak to you today about what did Jesus do for three days? We've talked about the lamb enthroned. We've talked about the way of the lamb. We talked about the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. But, but what did Jesus do for three days? Because he said, this is the sign that you will receive, the sign of Jonah, as Jonah was. So, by the way, Jesus is not a rebellious prophet. But he's saying Jonah was in the whale for three days and three nights. And, and notice that, that Jonah called to God from Sheol. Sheol is the holding place of the dead that had died, godly people, not hell. Sheol is not hell in that sense. It is the holding place of the dead. And Jonah cries out prophetically because this is where Jesus went. He went to the holding place of the dead. I'm going to prove it to you. And, and, and I don't have time today, but maybe one of these services where I want you to understand that Jesus did not die on Good Friday per se. Because the math doesn't make sense. And because it's, it, so people say, well, the Passover, yes, but you have to understand, uh, sorry, not, not the Passover, the Sabbath. What you have to understand is because of the Passover, there would have been another day in between that the Jews would have, would have um, celebrated, which means there would have been another high day between the Sabbath because of the Passover feast. And therefore, Jesus probably would have been crucified on the Wednesday. So he was dead three days and three nights and what did he do what did he do what did it accomplish because everything really started with the phrase it is finished can you say that with me it is finished say it again it is finished why you stand with me as we read the word of the lord out of revelation this is john the apostle i spoke about him friday night they, they tried to boil this man in oil, and he wouldn't burn. And so they thought, well, what are we going to do with a man that we can't burn with oil? We are going to exile him. Let's just get, get rid of him. Just, just put him on an island. Let him die on an island. And Jesus found him and appears to him. And the Bible says, I, John, both your brother and your companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is why they exiled me. And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last 
And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now, I want you to remember, this is the same John that put his head on the breast of Jesus at the Last Supper. This is the same John that was at the cross with the women while all the other disciples scattered. It says here, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. Many people, by the way, that have died have seen this same image of the Lord. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, which is the word of God. And with his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Literally, his body could not contain the glory that he was seeing, even though he's caught up in the spirit. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. He says, Amen. And notice what he says, and I, everybody say, and I. He says, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. The devil doesn't have the keys. Christ has the keys. Father, we bless you for your word. We thank you that you will open our hearts, our minds, and our spirit. We thank you, Lord, that we receive your word as spiritual manna today in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Before you're seated, will you turn around to somebody and tell them it is finished? Come on, turn around and say it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. Here's my, here's my number one point. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do on the three days and within that time frame of his death? I, I want you to notice that the very first thing is that salvation commences at the moment of faith. And why do I say this? In Luke 23 and 42, remember the two thieves on the cross. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. Now let me give you some theology because on the day that Jesus rose from the dead, when Mary was at the garden and she thought he was the gardener, when she recognized who he was and called him rabbi, she said, Mary, don't cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Now, this is not what he's saying to the thief at the cross. He's not saying, you're going to be with me with my father. You're going to be with me in paradise. What is paradise? Well, the Garden of Eden was considered the paradise of God on the earth. The paradise that the Lord is talking about is a, is a holding place. It was a 
temporary place, but it was an amazing place, a beautiful place, a, a delightful place, a resting place, a, a, bis, a blissful place. In other words, the, what the Lord was saying to him was, you know what? Today, you're gonna, we're going to escape this hell that we're going through today, and you're going to be with me in paradise. But my friends, let me tell you, I don't know where paradise is. Some people believe it's in the heavenly realm. Some people believe it's somewhere on the earth. I don't care where it is as long as Jesus is there. <laughs> right? He said, today, today, you, you are going to be with me in paradise. And, and, and you know what's amazing? We, we always focus on, on the two thieves. We focus on this particular moment of time. But I want you to think with me that these two thieves would have been with Jesus throughout the whole trial and, and throughout the whole day. And they would have heard all the things that, that were going on and the commotions and the things that were being said about him. And, and here we really have the, the two faces of humanity, right? Two faces of humanity with two different results, that one of the thieves all day long is saying, this guy's fake news. This, guy, this guy's a phony. He's no Messiah. If he was Messiah, he wouldn't be in this kind of condition. This guy's ridiculous. This guy's a clown. And all the, all the things that were going through his mind, while the other thief was having his heart tenderized and recognizing, hey, this man is innocent. What's being said and what's being done to this man isn't right. It's not right. This is not really what should be happening. And I want you to notice that when they arrive at the cross, the good thief, if we could say it that way, the good thief is not even the one that speaks first. I don't think he had the courage to speak to the Lord until the mocking thief said, well, listen, if you are Messiah, if you're king, if, if, if you are who they say you are, then get yourself off this cross and save us too. My friends, let me tell you something, that there will be people that are even faced with death that will still not repent. They're just so hard in their hearts and so, and so bitter and cynical against God. And, and, and so the, the second thief doesn't even respond to the Lord. He responds to that thief and says, you know, have you no fear of God even now? He says, we're criminals. We're guilty. This man is innocent. But then he says, Lord, and this is a good prayer for you. When you say, Pastor, I don't know what to pray. Pray this prayer. <laughs> Lord, remember me. Can you do that? Do it right now. Say, Lord, remember me. That's it. He said, Lord, will you, will you remember me? And the Lord says to him, today you shall be with me in paradise. So here the Lord is already saving people. Here the Lord is already taking people into paradise with him right there on the cross because salvation was already working. Number two, oh grave, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your sting? Matthew 27, 52 says, and the graves were open the moment that Jesus died. And church, speaking of graves, I said, you know, I said to the Lord yesterday, I was on my prayer walk, I said, Lord, you're so funny. You know, we know that Jesus was born in a manger. He died among thieves. But the Bible tells us that when it was time to bury him, they buried him with the rich. Brand new tomb amongst nobility. Why? The Bible says because he was not corrupt because he was righteous, because he was a good man. And so the father is almost saying, I'm going to have you born in humility. I'm going to have you die in humility. But when they bury you, they will bury you with honor because you're a righteous man. But the moment he dies, remember what he said. He said, if a, if a grain, if a grain is not buried, it abides alone. But if it's buried and it dies... 
then it brings about much seed. And so here's what the Lord is really saying. He's saying, I have to die because if I don't die, then I abide all by myself. But I'm not here to abide all by myself. I am here to multiply. I am here to produce people like you. That's why you're here today because the grain, the, the seed of God was buried. It died, but it resurrected and it brought forth you. That's why the Bible says, for had they known, had the powers known, <laughs> they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The devil would have just said, you know what, let him run around, let him do whatever he wants to do. He's in one place, he's at one time, you know, we could control him and contain him, but he didn't recognize that, oh my God, he's going to raise from the dead, and not only is he going to raise from the dead, he's going to raise all these other people from the dead, and they're going to look like him and sound like him and move like him, and, and they're going to be all over the earth. So we call the body of Christ. Come on, somebody, give God praise. Every tribe and every tongue and resurrection power. The body of Christ all over the earth. And I've, I've been to different nations. I've been to different parts of the world. And, and you, know, you know what's phenomenal, my, my friends? Listen, there are just some people. You know, I, 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 go, to, I go to the therapy clinic, and I'm telling you this, this, this lady, this, this lady right at the, you know, right at the front there. And, and I'm like, Lord, I'm telling you, Lord, this is a believer. I'm telling, and I'm going to ask her. I'm like, there's something about her. There's something about her. And, 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 you know, you just know people by the Spirit of God. Huh? How many of you know people that are wicked by the Spirit of God, you know? You're like, you're just wicked. I'm not going to tell you your face, but you're just wicked. You're evil. But then you know people by the Spirit of God because the body of Christ is all over the world. But look at 1 Corinthians 15, 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then Shall be, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? We sang today that God has robbed the grave. My friends, listen, the Bible says he swallowed it up. He swallowed up death. He swallowed up hell. Jesus said, I have the keys of hell and death. The Bible says that he has become the head of principalities and power because death is the most vicious of enemies. Death is our enemy. We were never created to die. We were created to live. And we were created to be superhumans. Adam would have been a superhuman. Eve would have been a superhuman. And I believe that they were even operating. You know, we talk about artificial intelligence today, but they would have operated at a dimension. I believe that Adam was a genius. And at one point, the Lord said, you know, I, I, I don't want to name the animal. You start naming them, Adam. Now think about this for a moment, church. If you're God and you create a human being, so before Eve was even, was even there, if you create a human being and you're going to converse with this human and you are absolutely awesome and brilliant, do you think you're going to create an idiot? Think about that. The next time somebody puts you down and you know, I've been, I've been studying and researching all this AI and artificial intelligence and how smart it is and what's its capabilities. And, and all of a sudden this week, you know, all of a sudden the, 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 this, this, this came to me. And that is this, that no matter how smart artificial intelligence ever becomes, you know what it can never be? It can never be spiritual. It can never be spiritual. 
because it feeds on data. So the more data you give it, the more data it spits out, but it's ultimately getting its data from human beings, from, from their soul, from their mind, their intellect, their, their emotions, and their will, and, and you and I are like that as well. But here's what you and I have that other people don't have. We are connected to the Spirit of God. So that maybe we're not as smart as the Elon Musk's of the world, but I'll tell you, we're wiser. And if you're facing a dilemma and you're facing crisis and issues in your life, my friends, your father has the answer because you're connected to the Spirit of God. You think the Lord has the answers to your work issues, relational issues, whatever, whatever, whatever they may be. I'm looking at the world issues and I'm saying, Lord, you have the answers for people that are lost. You have answers. We are spiritual. They will never be. Number three, I want you to notice I put it here, no one is left behind. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive by the Spirit. Now watch. By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. So to the thief he says, we're going to paradise, but Peter now tells us that he went into the lower parts of the earth, the underbelly of the earth, the, the core of the earth, the, the holding place really of the wicked that had died because later on uh, he talks about the people that even died in the days of Noah. And remember on, I believe it was Resurrection Sunday that I told you that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. That means from Adam henceforth, everybody comes under the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus that anyone that will accept Christ by faith will not be left behind. It covers everybody from the beginning all the way till the end until Jesus comes. This, this place where it talks about these, these spirits being dis, uh, disembodied spirits, locked up. The Bible says that in the three days he, he went down there. Some people call it Hades. Some people call it hell. Maybe the place where he got the keys of hell and death. And, you know, after he had preached to these people and, you know, those that believed came out. Then all of a sudden on his way out, Pastor Moses, he says, and by the way, I'm taking the keys. Yesterday, I was walking through a very, uh, very nice neighborhood just south of where I live. And there's, uh, there's like, I'm telling you, million million dollar homes in this area. I said to the Lord, this is the neighborhood I need to live in. But um, I'm walking through this neighborhood and big homes. And some of, the, some of the homes are gated. You know, it's almost like, I don't need the house. Just give me the gate. You, you know what I mean? That's that, that kind of, like I just stood in front of one of the houses. They're probably going to call the cops. And I, I'm, I'm like, I just wanted to stand there. And I, and I began to think about this because watch this. Gates keep people out. Hmm? But it protects the people on the inside. So when Jesus says, I have the keys of hell and death, my friends, that you know what that means? Not only has the Lord unlocked the keys or unlocked the doors and the gates of heaven for you, but he's also locked the gates of hell. Can I say it this way? You can't go to hell if you wanted to. Not that you would want to. They're locked for you. For some, they're open. But when you get to heaven, church, they can't keep you out even if they wanted to because they've been open. And, and when you get there, 
You're going to say, hey, look, look in the book, look in the book, my name, my name, my name, uh, let's, let's use the James, under J, under J, look under J, look under J, yep, there I am, there I am, oh, yes, Sean J, is that your full name, Sean James, you can come in. If they can't find that name, don't be asking for a Google search. <laughs> By the way, it's the Lamb's book of life. <laughs> it's the Lamb's book of life, and you're in there because of the blood. And, and, and listen, you don't have to panic. You don't have to worry. You're, you're going to get there with full confidence. You know, you know your name. Do you understand that? Your name is already there. Better than ink, it's in blood. Nobody can erase it. Nobody's going to lose that book. Nobody's going to blot you out. Nobody's going to say, oh, we have identity theft. No, 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 no. Your name, written in the blood. I see the Spirit of God working in people right now. Number four, he, he led captivity captive. Pastor, what are you saying? Ephesians 4 and 8. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men and unto women. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but also that he descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who ascended is, above, is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. My, my friends, you know that there are people that really believe that hell is at the core of the earth. It's got to be located somewhere. They believe that it's, it's right at the core of the earth. It's interesting, I looked up the heat that is down there. The temperature is about 5,200 Celsius, 9,392 degrees Fahrenheit, and the pressure is nearly 3.6 million atmosphere. The temperature of the inner core is far above the melting point of iron. It's hot down there. You don't even want to go there naturally, but you certainly don't want to go there spiritually. But the Bible says that Jesus descended. The one that ascended first descended. And on his way out, not only did he take the keys of hell and death, but then all of a sudden he's like, I'm going to start distributing gifts. Spiritual gifts. Natural gifts. I'm going to give abilities to my people. Why? So that they will multiply. So that they will fulfill the potential and the design that I have created them to do and what to be. Isn't this what we began to talk about at the beginning of the year? That you and I are to go about doing good because we've been given gifts. Because Christ led captivity captive, what does that mean? On the day of his death, the Bible records that it became very dark. Not dark like... Well, there's a storm coming. Dark because it was a deep concentration of demonic power. Satan had come. Principalities and powers had come. Authorities had come. They had, they had all come. They had all come to destroy the son of glory. They, they all come to ridicule him and humiliate him. And, and there was this darkness over the land. And, and this is why Jesus said, when they approached and Jesus defeated them, this is why Jesus said, it is finished. He not only completed all things, whoever's coming up, El Royer, not only did he complete all things, but it is finished is, is a warrior cry. Yes, sir. It is the cry of a 
of a warrior that says, I have won, I have defeated. Because the invitation, whether, whether it was an invitation or whether they came on their own, it was a trap. They got trapped. The demonic got trapped and they were defeated. In Colossians, the Bible tells us that he spoiled principalities and powers. You know, you know, you know what he had been taking? What the devil had been taking from people, what he had robbed from people, Christ said, I'm going to start giving things back. Huh? I'm going to start giving things back to people because you have thieved them, you have robbed them, you have destroyed them, you have taken the, their identity from them, their hope from them, you have taken their courage, their faith, and, 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 and you have broken them, but I have come. John 10, 10, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus is like, I have come to rob from you. I've come to give. And it gives us a picture. We're going to sing. We're going to sing. We raise a hallelujah. It paints a picture of a conquering king. What would happen in Bible days is when you won a great victory, you would, you would bring back the king that you defeated and all his army, and you would parade them through your city. But you know what you would do to the king? You would cut off his thumbs and his toes. You probably don't understand how important your thumb and your toes are, but understand without your big toe, you can't walk. Without your, without your thumb, you can't grip. You're useless. And so the defeated king would have to crawl on all fours and, and everybody as they were shouting joy of, of victory to the, the king that had won, they, they would look at the defeated, disgraced king. That's what Jesus did to Satan. That's what he did to the demonic. He, he paraded that. He paraded that. He parades himself today in so many ways, but he's, he's a liar. He's a thief. Even Peter says, your adversary, the devil, goes about like, like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. He's like. There is one lion. You know, Sean was telling me they, they'd gone to a safari. Was it in South Africa, bro? He said to me that you can hear the roar of a lion 20 kilometers away. You know, one of the, I want to help somebody here. One, one, of, the, one of the tricks of intimidation of the devil is, is he roars like he's right beside you, but he's probably 20 kilometers away. He roars like he's a lion that is ready to pounce, but he probably has nothing more than just some intimidation. Nothing more than a, a roar that, that if you respond to that roar, you, you might run, you might be frightened, but the reality is he's nowhere near you. That's a word for somebody because you're hearing the roar of a lion, one who's like a lion, but I'm telling you, he's not right beside you. You know what the Bible says? Resist him. I resist you in Jesus' name. Resist him. And he shall what? Flee. Do you know what the word flee means? To run away terrified. See, see, he wants you to run terrified. You're not running. Paul says stand. Having done all to stand. 
I'm just standing resisting. What are you doing? I'm resisting. It only looks like you're standing. Exactly. Stand. Having done all, Paul says, stand. Stand your ground. I'm standing. In the midst of it, in the midst of all that's going on, I, I, love, to, I love to speak to men. I love to speak to men these days. And I, I, I went there. I thought we were just going to have a, a little nice meal. I was going to say a few words. And well, I'm telling you, God broke out. But I said to those men, be men. Stand. Just stand up and be a man. Be a man. Be strong. Just stand. Pastor, I don't know what to do. Then just stand. I'm taking my stand. I'm taking my stand. We, we take our stand online. We get comments on our, on our programs all the time. Even today, somebody was, was mentioning as I was, I was lead pastor, what you said on Monday night. Somebody, somebody brought us a, a microphone. The exact microphone. We have two microphones that we use on our podcasts. And now, Pastor Moses was gracious enough to give me some decent chairs. Praise God. Sean, you know how long it took me to just get decent chairs, bro? I had to like suffer for Jesus down there. And... But we have these two mics. They're good mics, right? $500 mics. Somebody brought us a mic and food. That's always a good combination. And so a lot of carbs, but I didn't, you know, I didn't have the carbs. But anyway, um, I said, what's the, why would you bring us a mic? I, I thought, and then Pastor Mo said to me, Pastor, that's the exact mic we use. I said, why did you bring us this mic and, and buy it for us? And a person said to me, Pastor, it's the year of multiplication that the word of the Lord would multiply. Amen. Praise God. And um, not a cheap mic. It's like a $500 mic. It was, not, it was not cheap. And she brought food for the entire staff. And God bless her. And I want you to stand with me. I want to close with my fifth point. And then we're going to close with, I raise a hallelujah. Is that right, Joel? You're doing a good job, Joel. You're doing a good job. Man. You're doing a... Let me, tell you, let me tell you how the body of Christ works. Joel, I want to tell you how the body of Christ works. I'm just standing there, I'm worshiping, and Candace comes up to me. She goes, Pastor, there's a prophetic anointing on Joel today. And I, I know this anointing. I know you carry this. You need to develop this. Hey, you took my notes, bro. I need, I need my last scripture. Just bring my notes. It's okay. I know you're, you're a good man trying to. And um, thank you, sir. Appreciate you. And um, the minute she said that to me, boom, something just like fired in me. That's where the prophetic word of the Lord came. This is why for me, Pastor Rajiv, the ministry, the minstrel, is so critical, particularly to my ministry, that the moment she said that, so watch this, he's under a prophetic anointing, she catches it, says it to me, boom, it explodes in me. That's the body of Christ. Let me close with um, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, and I'm done. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last man, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord of heaven. So all of you, you're all made of dust, but watch. 
As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so are those who are heavenly. You know, I, I hear these ridiculous things like, oh, when, when good people die, they become angels. They, they, they get their wings. Church, why would you want to be an angel <laughs> when God has made you a son and a daughter? <laughs> If you're going to rule and reign, angels are going to be at your dispatch. You're, you're going to be directing them, Pastor Angie. You're, you're not going to have wings. You're, you're going to be like the Lord of glory. The Bible says he is the firstborn of many sons. Because it says, and as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. How, how amazing is that? In his glorified state, you're going to look just like Jesus. How many are happy that he has risen? Praise God. Come on, somebody.